1: Hey guys, welcome to a special Valentine's Day edition of Soul Sisters. Happy Valentine's Day, Jesse. Happy Valentine's Day, Dara. <sighs> I I want to say something about Valentine's Day. Do it. Um, I feel like this might be controversial. I feel like we should move past the rhetoric of I love Valentine's Day or I hate Valentine's Day. That Valentine's Day is for lovers or Valentine's Day is for your girlfriends. It's like this weird um Stupid didactic didact- yeah did- didactic did I just use that <laughs> wrong? you know what's funny i, I used, think dichotomous is wrong too but uh, i like used did- didactic in therapy this morning and as i was saying i was like i don't think that's right is my therapist gonna correct me and she didn't she didn't because therapist, a therapist, a therapist. Right. she wanted to destroy me in that moment anyway the dichotomy yeah, yeah yeah is i i want to throw it away i want to say that i am just happy that i have people that i love in my life It doesn't have to be about romantic love. It includes my dog, my girlfriend, you, everybody. Love that. Yes.
0: It should absolutely be that. Let's
1: not draw lines on Valentine's
0: Day. And we can still celebrate with chocolate and hearts that way. I could still give you a card if I wanted to. I've thought about that. Like, I want to give... I want
1: to show love on the day. Yeah. And we don't have to call it Galentine's Day. Just call it Valentine's Day. Let's just all make it what we want it to be. Now, okay... If Valentine's Day is a day that makes you feel a little extra lonely or sad, if that's how you're feeling, I also see that. I appreciate that. But I just think if we all kind of change what this day is supposed to be about, then we can also stop feeling like shit about it. I mean, I i am dating someone this year which never happens on Valentine's Day I still have been annoyed at my mother and grandmother both asking me repeatedly what we're doing on Valentine's Day because it's like why is this information that I need to share with the family right like it is another box to check off that you guys can then all talk about like it's not that big of a deal do you pass
0: the test are you in love are you a good couple?
1: Uh, you know, and and my answer of I don't know. I think we're gonna lay low. I could tell was not
0: satisfying to them. It's another generational thing. Yeah. Valentine's Day was more. I think we're moving away from that as a culture. Yeah, for people oh, to so. take it seriously Just to seriously. the level of like it meaning something. I think more and more, more and more of my friends, at least, are not observing it in the way of like totally. oh, we must do this on Valentine's Day. Right. Um,
1: also, I've noticed... there's nothing wrong with doing it, but no, totally. Um, none of my married friends celebrate Valentine's Day.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I
1: think it's amazing. <laughs> like,
0: every I day should them, be a, a day of appreciation. Yeah,
1: No, but they're always like, I, nothing, Whatever. I don't know, we're like picking up the kids from school, <laughs> what do you want? Um, anyway, but this is a Valentine's Day episode because Andrew Gibson is on the show. Andrew Gibson is a beautiful spoken word poet who has a new book and a new album out. The album is uh, poetry accompanied by music, and the book is poetry. And uh, Andrea Gibson is uh, a genderqueer poet, so we got to explore that identity on the show in a way that we haven't gotten to before and what it means for the show to have a guest on that identifies that way. I think that we are getting to a place where Soul Sisters is you and me, and Soul Sisters is about sharing stories of people who don't always get the attention that they deserve and can shed a spotlight on humanity that we need more of. So, so proud to be part of that. Hell yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, Andrea is also just like hilarious and brilliant and gave us a performance on this show, uh, which we don't get to do much anymore. So make sure you listen through to the end of this episode. When they read one of their poems, it was a dar request.
0: And they nailed it. No paper, like no prior. Did <laughs> You were I just, so funny. No,
1: you were like, I, I feel like you asked them if they could remember it. And you seemed very impressed by the fact that they could remember it. Well,
0: because I think that you need to practice. I think they have so many poems. And and like, the, the what I could have asked for is endless. So yeah. like. No, that's true, I, that's true. But it was from the new book. It, was, what, it wasn't. They, oh, it wasn't. No, no, no. It's oh. from the new album. Oh, the new album. Sorry. Which, if you don't perform it live, they might yeah, not yeah. be ready for it. True. Um,
1: they do perform it live. And I saw them perform it live. Okay. The I think it was the same night that they did the show. It was very different to hear it in a room than yeah. on this podcast. It uh, got a lot of laughs in the room. We it I just felt the energy here. was like v- was so reverent here. we were like yeah, oh yeah, my yeah. God. yeah yeah fascinating anyway so the performance that you'll get on this episode guys is very different than if you went out and saw them perform it at a show so i'm excited to share this with you guys and i think we've said enough we shouldn't blabber on when we have an actual poet on the show yeah. so without further ado Andre gibson on soul sisters happy valentine's day Andrea Gibson, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. (laughs) We are very excited to have you. As you can see, we brought our books with us. We're in the Andrea Gibson Book Club now. It's official. It's our first book club. It is. (laughs) Nice. What are you doing with a copy of your book?
2: I'm in the book club, too.
1: Great. (laughs) Founding member. Yeah.
2: I only start book clubs where we read my book. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, I guess for those who are listening and not watching the video version of this, we were talking about your book, Take Me With You, which is coming out this week that we're recording in. Uh, And it's a a smallish book. I was just saying I love it because I can fit it in my coat pocket and show people that I'm a reader. And what were you going to tell us about the size of this book?
2: Yeah, I was going to tell you a funny story that um, when I dreamed up this book, my idea was to have a book that was the size of a cell phone um, (laughs) because it was during the time when I was getting bad news into my I mean it's still happening every 10 minutes you know you look on your phone it's horrible news and I wanted something that was as handy as a phone but that would you know (laughs) pop up good news every now and then if you wanted to read it and then when I got the first copy in the mail I was like wait it's double the size it's supposed to be (laughs) and they said oh no we couldn't put it on the shelf if it was that little. <laughs> so the whole time, yeah. Oh, but so this is this it is looked, a big book in your eyes. It looks giant to me. Now. <laughs> oh,
1: yeah, that's funny. Um, yeah, this is this is a good news book. I brought this book into bed with me recently to read romantic poems to my girlfriend, Ooh. and oh. it was. I mean, I, that sounded a little weird. We just were having a nice moment before going to bed, and I was like, "I'm going to read some of these out loud to you as like part of my prep." She was it's like, a good, "Okay, that's so nice."
2: A literary threesome. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh,
1: and it it I'm works in beds well all over the yeah, world. I'm, yeah. I'm sure you are. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um,
1: yeah. So, congrats on the book. Thank you so much. Thank yeah. you. Uh, and you have a new album out I concurrently.
2: Yeah, I have a new album called "Hey Galaxy," and it came out just a few weeks before the book is coming out. So, it's a lot to do at once. But yeah. Trump is president, so there's. A lot to do. A lot of material (laughs) to push out there.
0: (laughs) Now, is this the project that I read that you had delayed after the election?
2: The album was the, was, so originally I was writing an album that was entirely a love album, so every poem on the album was going to be a love poem. And then Trump got elected, and I just couldn't stomach not putting out something that was, you know, more political. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the album also has love on it, which is political because it's, you know, super queer. But right, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> Do you feel like your work then has become more, like, political political?
2: I don't feel like it's become more political. Um, it just felt like bad... Timing, just in my spirit, to put out something that wasn't specifically addressing the awfulness of him. Especially when (laughs) your work
0: has so much been focused on on... those efforts in the past, and so it's like, why now?
2: Yeah, why? and you know, I still wanna no, do it. Hard. I was I was on tour a couple of years ago with Holly Miranda, and right before I was taking the stage one night, she told me that Nina Simone spent several years during the civil rights movement refusing to sing anything but social justice songs so people would come to yeah, her yeah. shows and request love songs and she would refuse yeah. and I remember that night making my set list and thinking I'm gonna leave all the love poems off my set list but then I got on stage and realized that just by the nature of the fact that you know my poems are about are about women um, it makes them political which is heartbreaking so I still think you know yeah. the the romantic project would still be political I just wanted something with a little more boom right yeah now. yeah
0: Totally, it's interesting. I, I I asked you if we would if we were talking about you reading a poem at the end of this, and I requested um, "Boomerang Valentine," which when I was listening to the album, that one came on, and it was a bit of a breath of fresh air, a, a break from really hard stuff. I mean, there's yeah. hard stuff, and then there's really really hard stuff, and yeah. so <laughs> you know, and it's all it's all important, and it's all the sense of urgency, but there was a sort of lightness and love just innately has that so i wonder how you know how much of a kind of a a i mean trump being elected was a drag overall but then the idea of like oh i don't get to make this love album i don't get to focus on these things in general i think artists are struggling with that a lot like i have to now focus on this whereas like love is still this overpowering thing Mm
2: -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm.
0: but we have a mission now, right? <laughs> you know, my th-
2: my therapist, who I never go a day without quoting, um, <laughs> <laughs> it's a good sign. Yeah, yeah good. says that the only thing that we really have control over is where we put our attention. So I, I mm-hmm. do think it is a really important time to put your attention on love and 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 you know the light-hearted things to put your attention on joy wherever you can find joy, you know, because you'll need it as fuel to you know step Carry up right on. now. Yeah, yeah, right.
1: Totally. Um, I feel like we should acknowledge that you are the first, at least, open genderqueer guest that we've had on this show. Oh, wow. And it it wasn't even a second thought for us to book you on the show and the opportunity presented itself. It was after we booked you, then we had to have a talk with each other about the mission of this show mm-hmm. because it's always been just inspiring women in music or arts, who you know have stories to share that we wanted to give them a platform for. So then it was like, okay, we know that we want to have this person on the show. So then, what is the show really about, and why is it important to us now? Mm. Um, and it wasn't hard to figure out. The whole yeah. point for us is to just help illuminate stories that should be told and that uh, don't often have enough of a spotlight or a platform. Mm um not that you seem to be lacking in a platform because you have a lot of work and and a huge fan base but um we want to be part of telling the stories that you are telling you know anyway so this feels this feels like a very important episode for us to have and kind of expanding the umbrella also because you know I uh identify as a woman but have also very much had the experience of feeling queer to my gender you know I was like thinking about things I did as a child, I actually remembered when I was little, I was probably like eight or something, someone, it must have been my mom, but I'm not exactly sure, bought me a little shaving kit that was for boys, like lather up soap and do this and like learn how to shave. And because I was like, a, I was a pretty big tomboy for a while and I like, really wanted this. And I remember like my mom helping me like practice lathering the soap and You're like motioning shaving. motioning on your
0: face. Huh? Were you... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. I was, yeah. I was like pretending to shave my face. Like yeah.
0: Um and i a very I just, different experience than I had with shaving. Right. Yeah. Which was like, Which was like to being to shave in the bathtub legs. and shaving my legs and being right. like, Oh, that actually worked. Yeah. What weird <laughs> You mean real shaving? Yeah, real shaving. Yeah, well like, oh, eventually I did that. This will be fake and then the <laughs> yeah. hair came off. And yeah. I was yeah. like, Oh, that's <laughs> just what shaving is.
1: Yeah. But, <laughs> but it wasn't my face. Right, right. No, it's my face. And but I just like realized how amazing that was that My mom was doing that with me when I was a little kid and like didn't give me a problem, you know, and like then later I became interested in other things. But anyway, so there's a lot that I think anyone can relate to. And I think in general, talking about gender queerness is something that's important for everybody, because just understanding what gender even means, I think, can apply it to so many people because we're all taught certain things about our gender when we're growing up Mm -hmm. that then, like, you have to kind of try to reconcile in certain ways because maybe you don't actually... Anyway, I don't need to explain this to you, but just explaining why I'm very excited to talk about this on the show. Long story short.
2: (laughs) Thanks, y'all. Anyway. uh, To
0: that end, I mean, the the ways that language has opened up and allowed us to have a discussion about queerness and gender non-binary stuff in a whole new way, I love the way that you put it at one point... um, that it was, I remember when someone handed me the word genderqueer. Yeah. And just the, that image is like a, being handed a gift, you know? And and you said, I heard that word and I knew myself better. That's what writing can do. It can make us know ourselves better and know others better. And I think that ties into your work as a spoken word artist. Like, what, what we're able to now speak with in, in terms of the language of it is so enormously... Helpful and confusing at the same right. time. I'm curious your just overall thoughts about about having using this pronoun and, and all of the different pronouns and words and
2: yeah, all this stuff. Yeah. I okay,
0: have <laughs> so many thoughts. The, power, on the power
1: of the power of the power of naming <laughs> things. Yeah. Or, and just like what language can lend Totally, and because to
0: to someone who's a bit more removed, it it feels overwhelming and confusing. But for you, it felt like a gift of liberation mm-hmm. and self identity. Mm-hmm. And I so I think that's a really interesting thing to unpack.
2: Yeah. So Leslie Feinberg said that um, gender is the poetry each of us makes with the language we've been given, and I think a lot about. Um, you know, what language we have. And when we have new language, what that does to our own experiences of ourselves. And that's one of the, the most exciting things about writing poems about gender because it's not like I go into the poem feeling like I've figured myself out. I go into the poem as a place to explore and, and, mm. and, and learn through the writing process. So then when new words are coming and you know, I have a friend, Shira Ehrlichman, who's also an amazing musician. But she does this thing in her writing where she's constantly nouning verbs and verbing mm. adjectives. And I remember when I first heard her poetry, it just it blew open my whole world until, in terms of how I interacted with everything. So specifically with gender, it's just really exciting. And I, in the last few years, I've had a different relationship with gender in that it's 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 beginning to be fun for me you know and Mm -hmm. I'm like wow who am I going to be in five years you know like recently I've been trying on my girlfriend's clothes and whenever I put them on (laughs) whenever I put them on she's like god it's like you're calming down and I'm like is am I in the entire what is my gender (laughs) why do I feel so good in this long flowy thing right now you know and so it's constantly shifting for me and I do appreciate what language will do with that yeah
1: When did the poetry start for
2: you? Oh, like, uh, you know, in my life? Yeah. Okay. Um, Well, the story that I tell, which is my oldest memory of... um, of coming home from kindergarten. And do you know when you get the callus on your finger from writing for the first time, from holding the pencil, mm, yeah, yeah. that bump? God, I forgot about that. Yeah, I remember coming home from school and, and telling my mother that my hand was changing shape to prove that I was a writer. I, I remember thinking, my, I, my body is changing to... To make, like ma- yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. um, and so I wrote throughout my, I, I wrote, you know, throughout school, um, things that my mom always said would was a sign that I wasn't going to be a happy adult because <laughs> I was thinking too much. Um, she said it in a sweet way. But, um, and then I studied creative writing in college. Uh, I went to college to play basketball for the Lady Monks at a very conservative Catholic college. And I ended up studying creative writing while I was there. But I never, I never, ever thought I'd get on a stage. I had too much stage fright, and I still do, and just figure it out. But, yeah, eventually I moved to Colorado. I discovered Poetry Slam, and I got involved.
1: Okay. Was your poetry... Did it become more personal over the years, or was it always very personal? It
2: was always very personal. It got more political over the years. Uh Um, When I first discovered uh, Spoken Word, in that same year, I got involved with a group called Vox Feminista, Uh and um, they were just doing all this really radical art um, with all different mediums. But every time we put on a show, we would do... Uh, an action in the community to match, we'd uh, I don't know what we would do, chain ourselves outside Lockheed Martin or something like that. And and so, I it, it got into my brain that art was activism and that you intermesh those things. And that's when I started, you know, writing more politically. Um, yeah, yeah.
0: and that was at a time when feminism, I would say, is, was more kind of still a, a almost a dirty word, like a taboo word, oh, yeah. but you know, there was a, a group of people who of course really identified with it but it was not in the mainstream culture like it is now how do you feel like now we're doing things right and how do you feel like now we're doing things wrong from your time (laughs) that you were you know from the time you were with Vox Feminista and in that earlier stages wow
2: like all the things we've done wrong since then or Or no now (laughs) (laughs) in the new movement I would say you know one of the things that was happening then is, and maybe it's just a product of social media, where I notice, um, at least in just the communities that I witness, I, I notice a lot of people uh, being afraid to speak up um, for fear of saying something wrong, for fear of, of messing up, and I've, yeah. I've been writing about that actually a lot lately, where, you know, it, to be Political and to be active and in, in this time, I think requires a, a willingness to mess up and to, because social media is what it is, a willingness to mess up publicly and um, which can be. Uh, hard um, but I I just have noticed women specifically around me and queer people around me I'm getting in some ways more silent um, because of that fear of you know messing up and then getting called out for something they've done wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, Are you saying people within the community that you've been (coughs) a part of who were more vocal before and are less so now? I think so even though I also have noticed a Another shift with the whole Me Too movement, with people now sort of breaking out of that shell and saying, you know, n- I'm gonna dive into this. Yeah. Um, yeah,
1: yeah. It's like the Greta Gerwig thing. Yes. On Fresh Air, that she didn't
0: know how to speak to it because she felt like she was paralyzed. Say something wrong. <clears throat> yeah. What you just that last comment made me think of something that I bookiaed in, um, in your in your and take me with you. Um, and we talk about this kind of a lot. Um, you wrote, "Any feminist who has ever taken the high road will tell you the high road gets backed up, and sometimes we need to take a detour straight through the belly of uncensored rage." <laughs> I love you reading
1: it. I
2: love hearing you read it because yeah, that's this- bolder. You
1: just read that. This is
2: the only. This is the only poem that I I've written maybe in the last two years where I literally scream the whole thing. <laughs> so I've never I've never heard somebody do it so politely. So <laughs> (laughs) I love hearing it that way. Okay. (laughs) We'll have to do a (laughs) mashup, companion piece. Take
1: both of your
0: read. Um, uh, This reminds, we talk a lot about needing to make people uncomfortable and what is the limits of that, what is the lines of that. And um, I think we're coming to, uh, I'm coming more and more, and I think a lot of people are coming to the idea that, you need to be made uncomfortable. We need to make people uncomfortable and rage needs to, there needs to be room for that. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So the idea that you're seeing people that you've been, you know, felt a kindred with to wanting to be more quiet is interesting. Yeah. Mm
2: -hmm. I mean, I think all of it's happening at once, you Mm -hmm. know, and it's uh, people trying to figure out, you know, what social media, um, just figuring out what they can comfortably do and then pushing outside of your comfort zone. You know, that, that quote um art should comfort the disturbed and disturb the comfortable and yeah and then also rage when i was doing a show with vox feminista we did a year-long show once that was called Sacred Rage. It was like eleven years ago, and I remember before that I was I was a I was a little hippie, and I thought <laughs> no rage, no rage, <laughs> bad. Yeah. Um, but it really woke me up to know this is this is important to feel rage because it's in us. I, my friend, I have a friend. Her name's Mindy. I have a friend. <laughs> her name's Mindy Netofy. She's a poet, and she has a line that um, says, "Bend back and manifest grief." And uh, people sometimes have trouble with that line because they think it's saying you know be uh have grief be in you but basically she's saying it's in us like rage is in us grief is in us all of this is in it in us so you know let it out and let it out and you know for your own clearing your own being and also to see what we can beautiful thing we can make from from that yeah yeah
1: it's so funny. It, it reminds me that in the '90s, I feel like uh, me and all my friends wanted to be hippie flower children, and to be an angry feminist was the worst yep. term mm-hmm. in the world, you know. Yeah. And now, all I want to be is an angry feminist. Yes. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. It's um, it's so important, and it's also just paying attention, you know. Yeah. Right now, it's like impossible to not be angry. Mm-hmm. And I've felt this. I mean, in the last year, I I've felt more. Political despair than I've ever felt in my life, and what that looks—I'm going from rage to terror to grief, and then every so often I, you know, snuggle my dog. Right.
0: Then, <laughs> that's nice. I about love. Dog. Yeah. <laughs> in love, yeah. In love,
2: yeah, and love too, and love, yeah. Snuggle your
1: girlfriend. Um, I'm wondering how the queerness in your writing paralleled your relationship with it in your life. Mm. Like, were they always conjoined or did one happen ahead of the other? When did they dovetail?
2: You know, it was a lot of, um, I wonder if I'd even be a spoken word artist if I wasn't queer because Uh in the beginning it was so much of what I had to speak about. You know, Um, when I'm writing, I'm often, uh, there'll be so many things I want to write, but I'll tap in that day and just what is the thing that wants to be spoken the most And um, in the beginning, I don't, every single thing I was writing was queer. Mm -hmm. And it also helped me to, uh, because I, you know, I was scared in the beginning too. I was, it took me sort of a long time to come out. It was a a painful struggle um, with my family and I was living in a really conservative place. But as soon as I started, you know, yelling about it on a microphone, then at that point it just sort of felt ridiculous to, (laughs) to, to. To be scared or, you know, to not be celebrating myself, yeah. you know, um, because it also feels, um, uh, w- y- y'all know, d- it feels important if you're putting out some sort of public uh, message to feel some congruency. Sometimes I think sanity is actually actually congruency, like in different mm-hmm. parts of your life totally. where, you know, how, how you're existing in the private world is, you know, at least integrity wise matching up to who you're presenting publicly
1: yeah Yeah. it's true i mean we we talk sometimes about the importance of representation and if you can see yourself in someone else or on screen or whatever you can sometimes identify who you are better but also how you represent yourself can like help you identify yourself you know it's like sometimes people will start writing about something and then they realize that that's actually coming from a more personal place than they realize you know yeah
2: Yeah, go, no, you go, go for it. <laughs> uh, yeah i mean i think about that all the time because i don't um you know i don't often write where i am especially yeah. in this last year i've written you know i've written a lot of hopeful poems and i've written them on miserable days um, and yeah. it, so wow. it's like sort of writing and then trying to not necessarily writing where i am but writing where i want to be and mm-hmm. then try to follow the the poem in that direction sort of as a guide in a way
0: yeah that makes sense what were we going to say I, i'm curious if you could just speak a little bit to to the pronoun stuff. I mean, <laughs> one of our favorite shows, favorite things that we bonded over f- first as friends is Transparent. Mm-hmm. We absolutely adore the show. Um, Jill Soloway, recently. I don't know where she stands with it now, but she... Oh, for
1: herself?
2: Uh, yeah.
0: And using, using her, her, yeah, her language know. around herself. I know that I heard in an interview where she at one point said, you know, yeah, I use the word, the, the word they... But more as like a form of protest and to annoy people, Mm -hmm. which I thought was interesting. (laughs) So, so I'm curious if you could just talk a little bit about your feeling about it and evolution with it, and just in general.
2: Yeah. So, um, so uh, I use they, them, theirs pronouns, and for any listeners that you know aren't familiar with that, do you think that there there may be some people listening that, yeah. Yeah. And so um, people will often say that that's, you know, they can't get their head around it. They don't know how to use it in a sentence. And it's pretty simple. Like, where's Andrea? Oh, they just went to the bathroom. Uh, where's Andrea's bag? Oh, I think they left it over there. You know, and it's it's easy once you get used to it. But um, sometimes people struggle with it and uh the beginning like my partner's um mother for example will say when is they coming over (laughs) i mean but she's you know it's sweet yeah it's really trying what should someone say in that instance when are they coming over yeah Yeah. 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 um or when use it as proper like use it yeah yes in the english grammatical (laughs) right yeah yeah (laughs) yeah Um, But you're asking in terms of how people have responded. Yeah, and
0: how you feel. Yeah, how it feels to use it and how you feel the response has been. And if you relate at all to that idea that Jill may have sort of put forth, which is like I'm using this as almost a tool right now and not necessarily how I actually feel. Yeah.
2: Mm. Oh, yeah. So for me, as soon as I started using it as a pronoun... I felt this, um, calmness in myself that I hadn't felt before. And I don't have a, um, I don't have a pained experience with any pronouns. Um, many people do. And, um, for example, you know, when I'm going through airport security and, and they're, and they're screaming, I mean, pink or blue or sir, 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 ma'am, ma'am, ma'am. Mm-hmm. Um, that thing, I it, it, it hits me in my heart only because I know that other people have that experience, and it's really, really painful. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I've I've never really flinched at um, any pronoun. It's it's just sort of been comfortable, even though now I'm so used to people pronouncing me correctly that if somebody says she now, I'll notice it and startle a little and think, oh, that's that's not me that they're talking about. It doesn't feel like me. Um, but at the same time, it's not it's not a painful thing where it is painful is if I have people in my life who are really close to me, like my best friends, If my best friends or my partner, uh, were to mispronoun me, then that for some reason that will hurt a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, what is your relationship with the title that you carry? And that is in your Wikipedia, I think as being the well, I guess it's the first winner of the Women of the World Poetry Slam. Yeah.
2: Right. <laughs> I know. I know. Um I love I love having that. I love having that in there. And you know it's interesting because that that comp Well, first of all, I think that happened in 2008 and that was the first year I remember being backstage. Um I remember being backstage at that competition and looking around and thinking do I belong here if I'm not if I'm saying that I don't necessarily feel uh, like a woman or I don't necessarily feel like a man I definitely don't feel like a man um, then do I belong here and I remember feeling that the competition has since changed where it's inclusive to um you know genderqueer and trans folks and it's it's I think it's only just if you're a cis dude you can't be here (laughs) yeah yeah so um (laughs) but I um it's still I don't know one of the things actually that comes up for me is that at that competition, I um, I was reading poems about sexual assault um, uh, more than I was reading anything else, and for some reason, which is its own poem yet to be written someday, um, but that is the time when I'm reading a poem about sexual assault that I feel uh, where I feel the word woman most resonates with me. It's and in really intensely. It's like I'll be in the middle of a show, I'll feel you know clear in my gender throughout and then I'll start reading a poem about sexual assault and um and I yeah I'm craving women's space like I'm just like yeah so That's yeah. do you me. have any
1: analysis on that yeah
2: I mean I ah. Uh, uh, you not know, yet. I don't really know, yet, that yeah. I don't <laughs> yeah. know that I don't know. I do have lots of analysis, but uh-huh. I feel like it's one of those things that I'd I'd want to put out carefully. Yeah. And I don't know if I could express it in yeah. a way I'd want to right now. Yeah. yeah. Talk about an outstanding
0: expression. Your new song or song uh, piece. Take me with you. No, wait, no, not, not take me with you. What's the video? Your life. Yes. Yeah. Oh, my God. Um. The idea that now people have, younger people have this ability to hear and see and experience um, what you're sharing in a way that you never did as a kid you mm-hmm. know it was just not available now at the internet and we you put an incredible video together full of mm-hmm. friends and yeah, other yeah. friends and friends of friends friends and, of friends yeah. who <laughs> represent the whole spectrum of gender identity and all of this stuff and it was I mean it, it's so powerful to see what what we what what's at the disposal now of the next generation mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. I mean.
2: I, lo- I mean, that's what I, I love about that video is how many different uh, people are represented in it. And I, I do. Every time I I see it, I just I can feel my young self, you know, my little like 10 year old self. Like uh, what would have been different if I had right. seen something like, you know, had had could see it anywhere, see queer people anywhere. And um, yeah, you've just been able to Google like. Queer, you know, you totally. couldn't
0: go where would you go, you know, and now yeah. it's just like genderqueer, god, right? You know,
1: yeah. you and I didn't even have Google, right? <laughs> <Great. laughs> well, I'll be able to find queer things,
2: yeah. Uh, when did you add music and why and how? Yeah, so that started come I mean, I've been doing that at um for years now. I've, uh-huh. I think this is my seventh album that I've just put out, and and they all include music on them, but. It was because I was touring so much for so many years, and I was just um, opening for or, or musicians were opening for me, and I was yeah. meeting so many musicians and making friends with uh-huh. them that I just discovered that I preferred making art with other people as opposed to alone. And That's so for now, a, I, for a writer, <laughs> yeah. And every t- every time I uh, write something now, I I think who can I collaborate w- with on this? And then I've, I've also been doing some things lately with. Um, dancers and I just a uh, different sort of mediums. And I've been doing, you know, spoken words so long that I think just naturally I'm thinking, what else could I do with this? Yeah. yeah.
1: Do you do any other kind of performance? I
2: do I. I mean, I know three chords on the ukulele. Okay. And Sometimes it. that'll get you by. I mean whole, I'm a <laughs> fantastic <so>. dancer. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what about acting? No, I'd be awful. Really? I'd be awful acting. what about acting? as yourself? I, you know, I've I just actually finished a screenplay. It's a secret oh. project. Um, just last night, actually, Woo, we figured congrats. Congrats. congratulations. Yeah. how My, does that yeah. feel? <laughs> It feels really intimidating because it's a true story um, wow. about a part of my life that I've never told in poems wow. before that I've been. It has felt like too vulnerable a story to tell. And yeah. so we find that my partner and I wrote it together and we finally finished it. And the whole time she's like, oh, you can act in this. And I, I'm like, no way. No, I couldn't. I you could. No, I'd really be bad. I can tell I would be bad, especially playing myself. If I could play a goofball, I mean, not that I'm <laughs> goofy, but if I could play some sort of funny character, yeah, I could do that, yeah.
0: I wanted to ask about the role of humor in this stuff. Like, mm. how conscious are you of, of trying to inject a little bit of humor every now and then, or does it just come out naturally? Because it's really mm. funny. Yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah. Among all the other things, it's also yeah. really funny. Yeah. Um, it's it's Im- really important to me in any, like, full project I put out like for example with this there's a lot of humor in this but also um my and I'm saying this I'm looking at the book right now um but also the album but the shows live shows especially um because there are so many heavy pieces and I just just consider people's emotional emotional stamina throughout the show and also it can be a great way to you know get people to let their guards down and, and then sort of Sneak in heavier information about what you should do right now to change the world. Yeah.
1: <laughs> what should people do right now? Do you have an action what? list? Oh my gosh, that's a hard <laughs> question.
2: I know, a million dollars I have to answer. <laughs> you know, I had this uh, the, the the thing that's I don't know if it's a do thing, but somebody was asking me about radical forgiveness in an interview mm. recently, mm-hmm. and I kept thinking about um, I kept thinking about that. And I think the thing under that, before that could even be a step, would be radical self-forgiveness. I think that a lot of, to quote my therapist again, she, she says that shame is the closest state to death. And I feel like a lot of us mm-hmm. are walking around with a lot of shame. And to start working on healing that, I don't, to me that feels like a primary step in yeah. fixing all the mess. It's great. Yeah.
1: yeah, I love that um are you on a tour right now
2: i so much so so, so much
0: <laughs> tour happening so much so you miss your bed so much, <laughs> so, much so,
2: <laughs> so much so that we're dragging a u-haul through manhattan right now oh, and wow. there's no place to park you're doing <laughs> it <I think> that <laughs> the tour manager just drove to long island to park the i mean oh, it, oh, sure. yeah it's a five months of tour and we're just in the first week right now oh wow <clears throat> wow yeah
1: cool yeah
2: five so months it's yeah. a long time that's i've long. never done anything like it before yeah. what's the
1: longest break you're gonna have in five months i
2: think that we get a seven day break and then we get one other five day break maybe four days
0: okay. is there any unusual gig that you have or are they sure. all pretty much <laughs> you mean like a like a play, space, yeah venue that's uh, yeah, yeah like a group i'm trying to think
2: God, this sounds so boring, but I don't think no, so. No, I mean, great. They just have
0: you know, <clears throat> yeah, normal seating. It's interesting
2: because we're doing a lot of you know, like rock clubs, yep. um, which is interesting to see people stand up to hear poetry. I used to think right. that's a no no. Don't make them stand <laughs> up, and then, um, and then, but the energy is so wild when yeah. people are standing. That it's cool. Uh, I'm
1: guessing you asked that because you're just imagining where groups asking you to come and poetry. Well also
2: yeah, because I think
1: the
0: the the opportunity for Different types of invitations yeah. would be like
2: enormous mm. right now. Yeah, right. like barber shops. And yeah, stuff. <laughs> oh, well, sure. I yeah. love the idea of doing a restroom tour. You know, when the whole North Carolina bathroom oh, yeah debacle was happening, I love the idea of taking over restrooms and just doing yeah. gender genderful poetry and all the restrooms. Oh, but that'd be yeah. fucking awesome. I yeah. know. I, I feel like people Not should have their, no. uh, people should <laughs> have you know some safe, quiet space in restrooms. So yeah, I don't know. I was.
1: <laughs> when's the last time you performed in a coffee house
2: oh uh, not that long ago yeah sure not that long ago okay. um what about a college campus
1: like I, like in two this? days from now yeah Wait, okay yeah awesome
2: i still do colleges for sure yeah um, yeah
1: that feels right yeah <laughs> yeah feels like people need that want that very Absolutely. much yeah um and what like i'm coming to see you perform tonight oh cool what Great. can one expect at one of your shows well
2: the great thing about that is is and this doesn't sell books at all (laughs) damn it (laughs) or albums but I think spoken word is an art form that has to be experienced live to really get it because the energy is just I mean if I could do anything that in the world tonight I would go see somebody's spoken word show or Mm. just listen to a bunch I love it so much Mm -hmm. Um, and it's just uh, I don't know it's energized, um it's funny. You know, probably at any spoken word show it would be really political also. You'd cry. Hopefully there'd be a lot about love, you know. Um and people generally in the audience, the audiences tend to be really kind to each other. And I think every time I get on stage I think about how I know there are people that came to this show alone and they were scared to come alone. So I talk a lot about you know, anxiety and panic attacks and, mm. and mental illness and suicidality, and so there are a lot of people that show up really vulnerable, mm. and um, and then just trying to create as safe space as possible for people to, you know, have a good time and feel like they're somewhere, you know, where they're welcome and wanted. Um, but yeah, a lot of stuff happens. Sometimes I have panic attacks right there on really? stage. Yeah. What How does do you, that what go? Do you do? Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. So, um, you know, my therapist. <laughs> I should, yes, give her, you should I, give, Yeah, I, you, you like, should recommend now we to need the, the commercial. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> she gave me like she helped me out so much because I I spent a lot of years trying to hide the fact uh, that I was really afraid to be on stage, and she gave me permission to just start telling the audience anything I was feeling. So if um, anything that's happened during the day, it just comes with me on stage, and I know that there's a rule that says that shouldn't happen, but um, it happens, and so. If something sad has happened, if I'm terrified, if I'm panicking, I'll stop the poem and just, you know, tell the audience that I'm panicking and
1: will that diffuse it?
2: <laughs> yeah, to to because yeah, you know, I feel like
1: that does compound it. it when you start trying to hide it yeah. and then you become panicky that it's happening. <laughs> Anything is yeah. that way. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's it's the original thing that hurts and then the covering up of right, the yeah. hurt is unbearable. Yeah.
0: Mm. Yeah, I do want to share with our listeners who this amazing therapist is. We won't do that. <laughs> but that's a, that's such a. It's like the biggest thing to have someone who like gives you all these <laughs> kernels of wisdom.
1: Yeah, or to just um, have a friend, or pass to pass that have along friend. for free. Exactly.
0: Yeah. Right? <laughs> but I'm surprised that it doesn't translate into. This should translate into merch sales of your book and your album because it is the your words and your mind that are coming through. And so people, I'm sure, want to take that home with them.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, and people still get a lot. I mean, the albums and books are awesome. Yeah. I just know that whenever I'm on a, a show like this and I say, you know, the best way to take it in is live. Is I, I, I live. <laughs> well, could, I could feel the publisher being like, no, it isn't.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but guess what, guys? You're in for a treat because we're going to get a live
0: reading right yes, now, right? Yes, yes. And Dara had yes. a special request. Yes. I did request Boomerang Valentine, if that. Is okay with you. Yeah, that's why, Dara? Is that the one that you're requesting? That's the one that I um I was listening and there was one on a lot of gun violence Mm -hmm. right before that. And there were just there were sort of heavier ones, which of course, you know, I'm getting ready and (laughs) I was sort of like, Okay, this is amazing and powerful, but wow. And then Boomerang (laughs) Valentine came on and there was a little bit of a lightness and a little bit of a love vibe and but still laced throughout it was all of the was, was all the politics that run throughout everything so yeah. I
2: was just drawn to it yeah this poem was um inspired by uh the body is not an apology have you all heard of that it's like this activist poet Sonia renee is just fabulous um she would be amazing in here and she started this whole movement called the body is not an apology and it's all about radical unapologetic self-love and um and she talks about love self-love in the context of you know bringing in the whole political world and so it's awesome. yeah Great. so I read the poem cool. cool hope I can remember the words <laughs> yeah, you're not gonna read it you're just gonna yeah um Recite. Get I'm sitting on my friend's couch several months into being intentionally single and celibate for the first time since I was 20 years old. 20 years old when I believe sex had to involve a dude and the word screw. I'm telling my friend about the psychic who said, I'm going to meet the love of my life by the end of January. It's January 10th, and I am so far from ready for Cupid, that naked little shit, to fire anything sharp my way, so far from ready to be the kind of crazy only love makes me. My friend musters every bit of new age jargon she can fit onto her tongue and says, what if you are the love of your life? I think, oh my God, I hope that's not true because I am absolutely not my type. But let's say for a moment I am. Let's say I am my dream boyish girlish boy and I'm standing on my front step ringing my own doorbell waiting for me to answer so I can hand myself a mason jar full of water lilies I have rescued from a millionaire's Monet. Let's say I am so charmed by the radiance of my own anarchy. I invite myself in for tea and when I'm not looking I sneak the steam from the kettle into my pocket so the next time I am missing the coast of Maine I can gift myself the fall. Let's say I'm not just running my mouth around an old cliche that says we got to love ourselves. We don't. I know I can keep getting down on myself till I'm tucked in my grave, looking up at my name, carved in stone, wondering why I never knew I'd been cast for the lead in my own life. When it comes to love, the only thing I'm certain of is you are the best thing that has ever happened to you whoever you are. You're a quitter? Great. There's plenty worth quitting. A sore loser? Who isn't? You got no discipline? Maybe discipline is for bodybuilders and closeted gay monks. Picture a magician, so attached to being perfect. He cuts off his own legs just to pull off the trick. Picture the 738 selfies I deleted before I took one I was willing to show to the world. Picture me wishing I could have all of those back. My so-called flaws in stacks like baseball cards I know will be worth something someday, like tender like compassion, like my capacity to think myself a catch just because I'd never seen a chandelier I didn't want to swing from because I'd maybe go to space just to know if railroad tracks look like zippers from the moon on days. I have a hard time keeping warm in my own weather. I imagine what the first flower said to the first human trying to name half its petals love me Nots. No, that is not how anything grows. Of all the violence I have known in my life, I've not known violence like the way I have spoken to myself, and I've seen almost everyone around me hold that same belt to their own backs in ambush. Of every way we have decided we are not enough, then looking for someone outside of ourselves to come clean that treason up. If I were to ask my myself out of that cycle, I might say, listen, I am still going through my growth spurt. I am still yet to get my worst tattoo. I am still clearing the smoke from burning the toast I wrote for my own wedding day. I am still trying to get rid of my mirror face, look myself dead in the eye. I know Facebook is a lousy mortician, desperately trying to make us all look more alive. I know there are things I haven't survived. I know there are people in this world who have had to work hard to survive me. I don't ever want to take that lightly, but I want the heavy to anchor me brave, to anchor me loving, to anchor me in something that will absolutely hold me to my word. When I tell Cupid, I intend to keep walking out to the tip of his arrow, to bend it back towards myself, to aim for my goodness, till the muscle in my chest tears from the stretch of becoming what I came here to be, a lover of whatever got covered up by the airbrush, the truth of me, that beauty of a beast, chewing through the leash, till I get a mason jar full of water lilies, and I've got a kettle full of sea, and my whole life, my whole life, is just a boomerang valentine coming right back at me.
1: Sweet. thanks y'all thank you wow I remember so,
2: the words oh <laughs> you did
0: wow um, that's on Hey Galaxy it is yeah how do you do that remember all the words to all the
2: spoken <laughs> word that you have to do <laughs> do you know what i do i have a secret i rhyme almost every single line and then i spend my whole writing process trying to hide the rhyme from the listener so yeah. i want to be the only one who knows i'm rhyming but you know other people can hear it too <laughs> but also think about how many uh, songs you have memorized in but your there's head, something you
0: know? different about that first of all there's a chorus that repeats <laughs> there's you know and it's kind of there's like probably like a handful of lines that are different from each other. I don't know. It just feels it's really impressive. Um, and <laughs> there's so much about that we could just go no. into. It. That was amazing. Well, yeah, that was really Thanks. amazing. Let
1: it to be um, for yourself. Yeah. Cool. So, Hey, Galaxy is the album. Take Me With You is the book.
2: Andrea Gibson is the poet. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having Thank me. Thank you. Thank you.
1: Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much.